from Washington. This is Talking Tax. I'm Amanda Icone. And I'm Siri Belusu. This week, we look at how the new tariffs on Chinese imports are basically taxes on American consumers. President Donald Trump raised tariffs on about $200 billion worth of goods entering the U.S. from China. The move was aimed at addressing China's alleged unfair trade practices by making it more expensive to buy their products. But who actually bears the costs of those tariffs? Uh, tariffs are a tax, and the tariffs are being paid first by retailers and eventually by consumers. So either way, it's a real burden on retail. That's David French, Senior Vice President of Government Affairs at the National Retailers Association here in Washington. We spoke about how U.S. retailers are grappling with high costs brought on by the tariffs and how those costs erode the benefits that the retail sector saw following tax reform. Thank you so much for joining us, David. Glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about the National Retail Federation. Who are your members? Uh, what do they want? And just give us a sense of the spectrum of membership. The National Retail Federation represents uh, retailers of all different shapes and sizes, uh, everyone from the largest retailers uh, down to small single-store operators uh, on main streets around the country. Uh, we represent chain restaurants. We represent uh, grocery stores, we represent online retailers, uh, hardware stores, apparel retailers, shoe stores, you name it, we, we uh, cover the spectrum. The administration raised tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese products. Um, the tariff rate's been increased from 10% to 25%. And there's been a huge outcry across a lot of different industries. The bottom line seems to be that tariffs are a tax paid by U.S. consumers. So explain to us how tariffs work as a tax. When a product enters consumption in the United States, there's a tariff paid. Uh, that tariff rate is set uh, under law. In the case of the Section 301 tariffs uh, that the president raised uh, recently, uh, those tariffs are, are 25%. Uh, that's an additional cost of the, in the, it, that goes into the cost of goods. And it, those costs are borne by the retailer. They're paid by the retailer or the importer. Eventually, they're probably paid by the consumer, although there are uh, various strategies available to retailers and importers uh, to push those costs around the supply chain. Uh, but at 25 percent, it's really hard to hide the full cost. What are some of those ways that tariff costs are, are moved around so that they're, they're not hitting one part of the supply chain too hard? So first, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to when the tariffs were first threatened uh, in 2018. And as soon as retailers understood what might be coming, they, they started gathering as much information as they could. They wanted to know what was going to happen and when. Uh, and part of that is so that they could figure out how to plan their, their inventory for the, for the upcoming year. Some retailers uh, bought more inventory in advance of the tariffs and put that in their warehouses and plan for it that way. Some retailers tried to look for other countries uh, beyond China that they could source from. Uh, some retailers have uh, negotiated with their suppliers in China so that some of the cost is, is being eaten uh, by back, back up the supply chain in, in that way. Those, those are all strategies that comes from having good information about uh, what to expect. Um, the, the problem is right now we have an administration that sometimes isn't easy to anticipate what the next move is. Uh, so two weeks ago, uh, the president's uh, tweets on a Sunday changed the equation for a lot of retailers. And we went and immediately saw the 25% imposition on the, uh, the $200 billion list uh, that had been 
that have been first imposed as a 10% tariff in uh, in September of 2018, and uh, and then they've moved for- further towards the 25% tariffs on a remaining uh, $300 billion list of products. Bottom line, supply chains are really complicated. They're often very global, and it takes a long time to relocate a supply chain. And if they're su- if a retailer can do it, they will find another place to source from. But oftentimes, China's the only the only game in town. Since the enactment of the 2017 uh, tax overhaul, the retail industry has seen a lot of benefits. Um, so talk us through what some of those good aspects were for the retail industry. So 2017, uh, the tax reform law was very beneficial to retail. Uh, we saw our uh, effective corporate tax rate f- uh, fall from 35% to 21%. Uh, consumers had more money to spend, and consumers uh, have generally responded by uh, with stronger demand. And the, the one other element of tax reform that's been very good for retail is retailers have been able to pass some of those savings, the tax savings, on to consumers in the, in the form of better investment in their stores and also uh, potentially lower prices as well. So this far out from enactment of the new tax law, is there any unfinished business that the National Retail Federation wants to see Congress or Treasury get done through tweaking legislation with technical fixes or the way that the IRS completes the regulations? There were a few technical uh, errors in the tax law. Uh, One of them, it's become known as the retail glitch. And somewhere between the scoring estimate and the legislative drafting, uh, Congress inadvertently changed the law and restored uh, what had been a very old standard for uh, cost recovery and property improvements. Uh, they restored a 39-and-a-half-year cost recovery law uh, that was uh, that, that is more than a decade old. Instead of uh, passing what Congress had intended, which was uh, first-year expensing or immediate cost recovery for property improvements. Um, so when you're a retailer and you're thinking about investing in your business for uh, property improvements and you're looking at recovering 2.5% of the cost, it's a big difference from recovering what Congress had intended, which was 100% of the cost. Uh, so at the moment, there are literally billions of dollars of, of property improvement sitting on the sideline waiting for Congress to fix this very small uh, drafting error, but it has a very large economic impact. So why is it important for retailers to be able to recover their costs in the one year versus over a longer period of time? Well, Congress intended one-year cost recovery or, or immediate expensing to stimulate economic growth and, and to push more money into the economy. Uh, going back to the 39-year recovery means uh, much slower invest, investment in property improvements, which means uh, we're slowing down construction. Uh, those are construction jobs on the sidelines. If you have safety improvements, say you need to put a sprinkler into your building, that's, it takes longer to pay for that. Uh, and, and really, depreciation policy is, is uh, an important way that uh, taxpayers uh, recover the cost uh, that they invest in their property. Is there anything about the timing now? I'm just I'm trying to think about how consumers buy goods, right? So, I mean, I myself, I am the type of person that really likes to walk into a store and hold what, you know, she's about to buy, but a lot of things are changing with digital platforms like Amazon. So, does that play into the need for stores to be able to improve their properties and Absolutely. Uh, retailers have to improve their properties uh, 
if not every year, every few years. Uh, you know, retail is a very competitive environment, and retailers, if they're not investing in their stores, they're losing. And certainly, there's online competition for retailers, but even you walk into any uh, shopping center, uh, walk down any main street, uh, this, the fresher stores, the more appealing stores are the ones that do better business. So cost recovery, uh, having an immediate expensing, uh, would certainly uh, both match what Congress intended, but it would also help retailers inject capital improvements into their stores at a very crucial time in the, uh, in the investment cycle for a lot of retailers. So in light of all of the uh, in light of the administrative burden that the tariffs are causing uh, the retail industry, don't the benefits of tax reform that you talked about earlier, does that somehow mitigate the pain being felt from the tariffs? And should it just be considered like a give a little, get a little for the industry? Well, first of all, it's not just uh, administrative burden. Uh, tariffs are a tax, and the tariffs are being paid first by retailers and eventually by consumers. So, uh, whether that whether the pain for retail is is felt uh, in their bottom line uh, or in their top line, when when fewer consumers, when fewer customers come into stores and buy less because they have their dollar doesn't go as far. You know, either way, it's a real burden on retail. There is an administrative cost in addition, and that is uh, the cost associated with finding new sources of uh, for their supply chain. And you know, whether it's moving to Vietnam or Malaysia or an, another country, none of the countries have the capacity of China. And every time you have to scout out a new source, uh, work with new suppliers, uh, fashion new agreements, all of that has costs. And by definition, China is the lowest cost producer uh, for many of these supply chains. So shifting out of China, not only will it take years, but it will add uh, it will add very, uh, significant costs to the equation, even if you never pay a, a penny in tariffs. So, so it's one step forward, two steps back, perhaps, uh, or two steps forward, one step back. We ha- we haven't seen all the tariffs yet, uh, but I think if it for many retailers. We're talking about numbers that, that could total billions, uh, and those uh, those costs could stay in the system for quite a long time. You know, we don't know when the tariffs are going to end. If the president is successful and we uh, make an arrangement with the Chinese uh, to achieve some structural reforms within China, the tariffs could come off very quickly. But I can foresee a situation where they could stay in place for a decade or more. And that's a lot of uncertainty for retailers and ultimately for middle-class consumers. Speaking of uncertainty, with the 2020 elections coming up, there's no real guarantee that tax reform is going to stay the way that it is for the foreseeable future either. Is that uncertainty trickling into the consciousness of the retail industry? Certainly, uh, tax policy could change. I think there are a lot of people, uh, there's no question tax reform, especially corporate tax reform, is politically unpopular and a lot of, uh, a lot of politicians will go to the lowest common denominator when it comes to politics. Uh, but in terms of the results of tax reform, I look at what other countries around the world are doing. You know, other countries uh, are not lowering their corporate tax rates uh, to give more money back to corporations. They're doing it because it does have an effect on job creation. It does have an effect on capital investment. It does bring money back into their economies. And those same benefits that other countries around the world are looking to achieve by lowering their corporate tax rates are the same reasons why we should retain our low corporate tax rates in the United States. 
So what is the big ask from the National Retail Federation when it comes to the tariffs? We would love to see China and the United States work this out as quickly as possible. Uh, we, we agree China ha- needs to fix the way they do business. And we think the administration, uh, by, by, bringing, by trying to make China accountable, is, is doing uh, you know, a lot of constructive good. However, tariffs might not be the right tool. We would really like to see the United States working with our allies around the world. Certainly, the United States is not the only trading partner that has problems with the way China does business. Uh, other companies, other countries see their intellectual property lifted uh, and, and, and uh, appropriated by China. Uh, so we think there's a room for a global coalition to bring pressure on China. Many of our trading partners around the world, many of our allies around the world are taking advantage of our new tariff policies to gain market share with China. But they'll also be the beneficiaries of any deal the president achieves. Uh, So let's put them on the same side of the equation with us. Let's bring them together to fight the Chinese practices. And let's find tools other than tariffs uh, that ultimately U.S. consumers have to pay. Uh, I, I was uh, looking through some of the items on the list of um, uh, on the list that are going to be hit by this uh, 25% tariff increase from 10%. Uh, one of those was parking meters, which I was very surprised to find out are manufactured in China. Is there anything that stood out on that list to you? Bicycles. <laughs> Why is that surprising? My daughter graduates from uh, from high school in a couple of weeks, and her graduation present, don't tell her, <laughs> is going to be a bicycle. So we better hurry up and buy it. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Now, this week's top news. New York is one step closer to handing President Donald Trump's state tax returns to Congress. Legislation that would allow New York to share tax returns with certain congressional committees is headed to Governor Andrew Cuomo, who is expected to sign the bill. The vote comes amid a standoff at the federal level after Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin rejected a request for Trump's personal and business returns. Meanwhile, Trump has appealed a federal judge's order requiring accounting firm Mazars to turn over the president's records, which Congress subpoenaed. There's now a bill in Congress that would halt a controversial accounting rule for banks known as Cecil. Senator Tom Tillis's bill would require the SEC to study the economic impact of the rule change. The bill has five Republican co-sponsors and comes amid mounting pressure from Congress and the banking sector to delay the change in how banks account for expected credit losses. This week, the French Senate voted to limit a tax on digital services to three years, despite the country's finance minister urging lawmakers not to constrain France's ability to tax companies like Google and Facebook. The legislation now heads to a joint committee to negotiate a final bill. For more on these stories, visit news.bloombergtax.com. From Washington, I'm Amanda Icone. And I'm Siri Belusu. Thanks for listening.
Suspending the Rules is Bloomberg government's weekly deep dive into what's happening on Capitol Hill. As is often the case with suspension bills, there's something of a theme behind them. Every Monday, BGov reporters and legislative analysts preview the week in Congress. This would be a rejection of what the Trump administration called for. And break down the biggest bills on the agenda. Autonomous vehicles are going to know everything about where we go and what we're doing. You can listen and subscribe to Suspending the Rules wherever you get your podcasts. Find more information at about.bgov.com.